Welcome to Talk Direction, your weekly One Direction podcast, where we talk about everything One Direction, from news to album updates to the weird thing Harry did on stage the other night. Talk Direction, by the fans, for the fans. Welcome to episode 14 of Talk Direction, your weekly One Direction podcast. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Kara. And this is our 14th episode of Talk Direction. And we have finally come to the fandom episode. Finally. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, we've been saying that we're doing this episode for so long, but, like, other stuff has come up where we needed to, like, talk about Drag Me Down and the single and then the video and... Uh, our concert and all this other stuff. So we are now doing the fandom episode. And forewarning, um, this might be part one because it is a huge episode and we really don't want to just gloss over stuff. We want to um, be able to go into everything you guys sent us and everything, all of our opinions on the fandom episode. So we're going to just record it all today, but this is probably going to be part one um, and then the next week, we'll have part two of the Phantom episode, and you'll get um, the other half of stuff, uh, just because we want to do it justice. Yep. Um, so we're going to start off with some news today. Um, first of all, we have Zane working with Frank Ocean's producer, Malay, Malay um, who is a two-time Grammy award-winning producer, songwriter, and engineer. Um, and he's worked with John Legend, Alicia Keys, Tori Kelly, and a whole bunch of other artists. Um, and this was announced on Twitter when he said, Malay said, cat's out of the bag. It's no secret. We've been working. Um, Zayn Malik is pure genius, an artist, artist, a shining star with a genuine heart. Um, I think that we, there was like rumors that this was going on or he like tweeted something. I mean, he posted on Instagram, but, um, now I'm, it's clearly confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, have we talked about there being rumors before? Yeah. I don't know if it was with Pharrell or... No, it was Frank Ocean, because I remember being excited and, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So, now it's confirmed that they've been working together. I'm so so excited. um, I don't really know Frank Ocean's music too well. You should listen to it. um, (laughs) Yeah, I know this guy was, like, instrumental in, um, what is Frank Ocean's last album? The Orange one? Um, Channel Orange. Channel Orange, but uh, this um, Malay is—he uh, was like huge in the making of that album. Yeah, so and it's like that, genius. Um, yeah, so that is that. I mean, I can see Zayn going in that direction. I guess. Yeah, I could definitely see it. Um, okay, then we have news about the opening acts for One D's UK tour, which is starting up soon. Actually, tomorrow, the twenty-second of September. Um, when this episode is released, I guess, uh, One Direction will be headlining the Apple Music Festival, um, at the Roundhouse in London. That's exciting. And Mm -hmm. Little Mix is actually opening for them. Um, but for the UK tour in general, they have a couple of different openers, I believe, but a new one was announced. Um, his name is Jamie Lawson and he's a singer songwriter And he's, um, Ed Sheeran has a record company called Gingerbread Man Records, which I think is a hilarious name. (laughs) And he's uh, the first artist that Ed Sheeran signed to his record company. Um, And he has a new album coming out October 9th, actually. So, Have you listened to his music? 
Uh, I haven't listened to Jamie Lawson's, no. Okay, because I want to check him out, because, like, clearly, like, if Ed Sheeran thinks he's good enough to sign him to his own record, like... Yeah. He's probably yeah, worth I'm checking sure he's out. really good. Yeah, and also, first artist Ed Sheeran signs, like... Yeah. Yeah, and also, um, I think Ed Sheeran should sign me to this record, because I'm also a ginger, <laughs> so um, it just makes sense, really. Pretty much. Yeah, that makes I don't, sense. <laughs> I mean, I don't sing, but, like, I can just, like, chill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, yeah, so Jamie Lawson announced on Twitter, he was like, get ready, folks, this is big news, I'm heading out on tour with One Direction. Yep, you heard me, I will be opening for One Direction. Um, so that's That must exciting. be so exciting, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it's because Ed has connections with, like, Harry and the band in general, um, that yeah, this sure. was able to happen. Yeah. I think that's so cool. Like, you get to open for One Direction, that is such a huge, like push for you if you're opening for one direction yeah definitely so many like people are gonna hear you yeah like think about all the other like opening acts for one direction like think of like five seconds of summer who've like honestly like blown up after they've um they yeah, opened they've for been one on direction. a world tour their yeah own, like i think they just finished their own world arena tour yeah uh, which is just insane and it's yeah. all because they were opening for one direction obviously and they're really talented but like that's where yeah you know they got the it's just push. like good exposure yeah um, and then there's uh, MTV EMA nominations, and the EMAs are the European Music Awards, and they're fo- fan-voted awards, and One Direction is nominated for two of the awards. I saw sometimes it said three, but then sometimes it said two, and I can only find two, so correct me if I'm wrong, but um, One Direction's nominated for Best Pop Group, um, against Five Seconds of Summer, um, Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber, one, uh, and Taylor Swift. Sorry, they're not against themselves. Um, <laughs> for, so for best best pop performance or artist, mm-hmm. uh, One Direction's there. And then also nominated for Biggest Fans um, against Five Seconds of Summer, Justin Bieber, Katy Perry, and Taylor Swift. Um, so we'll see. I know I've seen everyone on Twitter uh, trending, like, One Direction EMAs, like, it's, I think as you, um, retweet the hashtag and tweet the hashtag, you get more and more counts for, um, One Direction, so make sure you go do that, everyone. hmm Do you want to take this next story, Kara? Yeah, okay, so this just happened this morning, um, September 21st, and I knew something was going down because the Zayn fans, like, um, on my, uh, Tumblr and Twitter were sort of side-eyeing Zayn. I was like, what the heck? Like, what is going on? Um, and he favorited a tweet today that is just gross all around. Um, I'm not really going to get into it because it's really gross, And um, but I'll just, like, give you an overview of what it is. Um, so a girl posted a picture, and her comment is disgusting and racist. It says, sorry, black boys, only white men can handle this, which is disgusting and racist. And then there's um, different men who commented back and basically um, just basically shaming her for her body and things. And the entire just, like, tweet is just a mess. Um, And it kind of made me really upset that Zayn would favorite this just because um, it's just not a great, it's not a great tweet. It's really just gross and disrespectful. Yeah, regardless of whether or not she was racist, don't go and fat shame someone. You shouldn't, like, that's not how you should create an argument. That's just going to get you look looking like an idiot as well, you know? Yeah, it just, like, um, 
I don't know, because clearly she needs to be called out for her gross behavior, because that's disgusting. Mm -hmm. But I think that... um, They uh, did it in the wrong way. Yeah, not that we're, like, you know, what's it called? We don't have really authority on how to call it racist behavior, because, you know, we're both white. But um, I Mm -hmm. think that sometimes when, just in general, when you attack someone, um, they're much, like, not in related to what they said like with a whole different issue like attacking them personally they're much less less likely to like understand and try to correct their behavior because then they just get defensive yeah exactly that's exactly what we talked about with liam actually like when yeah. he would say stuff and people attack him then he just gets defensive yeah so this was just i don't i don't even know why zane felt the need to like like, just get away from this. There's other ways to do... Like, I don't know why you would favor this. It's just... Stupid. I know. It just, like, makes me really upset. And I know a lot of fans were getting upset because it was just... It was just a gross thing to favor it. Mm-hmm. There's other ways to... Because um, he's talked about racism in the past in uh, much better ways. And even, yeah, definitely. like, calling out people on Twitter, we've discussed that. How yeah. that's okay to do. Yeah, But definitely. this was just rude. Yeah. Um, but um, on happier news, <laughs> um, this literally <laughs> happened like five minutes or maybe like 10 minutes before we recorded this, which is awesome. Um, One Direction finally made a Snapchat and their, um, I know I'm so excited. Their <laughs> username is just One Direction. Um, so follow them on Snapchat. I'm excited. They haven't posted anything yet, but, um, you know, they still have the whole UK tour to go. And also it's perfect timing for, um, they're headlining the iTunes festival tomorrow. So maybe they'll post some snaps Mm -hmm. of that. And I'm excited to see like what goes on and like what goes down, you know? Yeah. I'm wondering if it will be more, you know, the type of things that the One Direction Twitter posts, like when they're on stage type videos or like, uh, filmed by someone else, or will the boys, um, particularly, I could see Niall doing it. Like, I could definitely see Niall doing it, and Liam. I hope it's more personal, rather Me than too. just, like, uh, us, you know, getting to see, because we get to see the videos online already. We want to see stuff backstage that we don't see, you know, so. Yeah. I hope I want, that's what we get. Yeah, I want to see Niall, like, doing, like, short little vlogging clips, and just, like, showing us yeah. around. I feel like he would get that really would into so it. fun. Yeah. And Each then, of the boys should get a Snapchat. I know, um, yeah. Um, but this is a good start. Um, yeah. But, like, maybe this will, like, uh, motivate Niall or any of the boys to, like, maybe get a YouTube and start actually vlogging. Like, that oh is so exciting. Oh, my God. That would literally be the dream. I know. This has been... Like, we've been talking about this for so long, and we just, like, want that to happen so badly. I hope it does. Yeah. Um, okay, and then lastly, there's been rumors um, that 1D will perform uh, at the Super Bowl. There's talks of them, like the Super Bowl, I think this is the 50th anniversary, right, of the Super Bowl. So, like, no they're trying clue. to make it really big. <laughs> this is, <laughs> I read it was the 50th. I'm not up on sports, so. Um, but uh, they're trying to make it, like, an awesome show. And I think they have Bruno Mars in talks, One Direction. I'm not sure, but I think this could be such an awesome thing you know this would I don't even know this would be the greatest thing ever yeah it really would and I think it's interesting that they would go for One Direction because it would be I guess more of a younger fan base and they usually try to pull in I don't know it's like it's the Mm -hmm. Super Bowl like the Super Bowl halftime show never makes sense to me it always just like varies like sometimes they go for like the classic rockers and then they go for like um pop acts and it's just I don't know Mm -hmm. I guess they're trying to like get a very like a very varied um 
audience, which is, I guess, is interesting. I really hope yeah. this is true, though. This would be awesome. I would love it. I know. It would be great. And we don't even know what songs they'd be singing. Like, it could be new songs. They might have to oh go back God, and play, yeah. like, a classic, but it's also, like, the album will have been out for a couple months by then. So, um, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. I really wish that they would bring out, because I know um, the Rolling Stones, like, performed a couple of years back, right? So what if they yeah, did, like, Where so. Did Broken Hearts Go with Ronnie Woods again? Like, how cool would that be? Oh, my God. That would be incredible. And then, like, it would be such good exposure, even though they'll be, you know, taking a break soon. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. It would be good exposure for, like, all the adult men to see what One Direction's all about. Yeah. You know? Also, it's Ronnie Wood, not Ronnie Woods, so I'm correcting myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to get people writing in. Yeah, I'd, my dad would be, like, writing in and being like, Kara, get yourself, like, <laughs> correct yourself. Um, all right, so that's all of our news. Now we're going to move on to our main discussion, um, and this is just all about fandom and fans, and we're going to incorporate everything you guys have sent us and talk about, um, like, what fandom is and what it means to us and how it's affected us, Um so yeah, let's just jump into it. I first wanted to just define fandom. And usually I hate when people are like, let me give you the dictionary definition. <laughs> it's always like so cheesy or whatever. Yeah. But I'm going to give you the dictionary definition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fandom is a term used to refer to a subculture composed of fans characterized by a feeling of empathy and camaraderie with others who share a common interest. Now, I included that because I think it did a good job of explaining what fandom is, the empathy yeah. and camaraderie about fans sharing, like, a common interest. I really think that's what fandom is. It's a whole culture revol revolving, or, yeah, that's the word, right? Around yeah. uh, uh, either, like, a book or a group or musician or a TV show. Um, so, and it's just about, like, coming together and sharing your interests and finding, like, a place amongst people who share the same things yeah um so then what sorts of things come along with fandom like what what are the actual parts that make up what fandom is i would say it's about the friendship the fan art there's fan fictions there's gifts now in the you know technological world that we <laughs> have um it's about bonding with other people and also having something just like constantly there in your life that's more maybe stable than things that you're going through or something that you can always look to um like to get your mind off maybe schoolwork or something going on at home or at school that just kind of sucks it and I, like i don't know i've talked about this with kara it reminds me of when you have a crush on someone you know when you're younger and you have a crush and like you can always like think about them or it's like a nice thing to like brighten up your day it's like one direction sort of not is your crush but it is that thing that you can think about and like that's outside of everything else else i guess yeah and even if you don't like them romantically or whatever like it's still like yeah you just still get happy feelings whenever you think about them and it's just i think mm -hmm. it's so cool that you like like uh compare it to like a crush feeling because um i agree with that and also in this article i read on rookie magazine um i'll link it because it's a really cool article it's um talks about fangirling and it's not it doesn't talk about one direction but it just talks about like fangirling as a whole and like one girl's experience about it um and mm -hmm. she uh, compared it also to, like, a romantic interest. I'm like, oh, wow, like, more than one person, like, thought about, like, the same comparison. I'm like, well, I, th I thought that was cool. Yeah, because I, I feel like it really is like that. It, it It's always something, you know, to think about. 
and not yeah. in a romantic way, but like, yeah, just like I don't know. Yeah. Um. So why do you think so many people, or why do you think some people are drawn to fandom versus other people that aren't drawn to fandom? I don't like, know. Is it just think, that we're different people? Yeah, I think it's such an interesting thing to think about because it's like, why are me and you so fandom-oriented, but then some of our other friends just aren't into that? And, mm-hmm. like, because yeah. I know that, I mean, I have a lot of common interests and, like, common, I mean, I feel like a lot of me and my friends are um, same in a lot of ways or similar in a lot of ways, but then, like, um, my fandom ten- tendencies sort of, like, separate me from them. And it's just, like, mm-hmm. interesting because I wouldn't say, like, um, I guess I, I don't know, I feel like obsessive is a very strong word, and it's very negatively connotated, and, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like ever since, like, I was a little child, like, I've always just been, like, when I get into something, I, like, really get into something, and I want to know everything about it, like, in preschool, I was obsessed with butterflies, like, you know, I had my own mm-hmm. little butterfly fandom, and I wanted to know everything about it, and I wanted to be able to name all of them, and I think that just, like, grew up with me, and, like, you know, I was, like, mm-hmm. into Wolves, and, like, Lizzie McGuire, and, like, all this stuff, and, like, um, I think that it just, like, it really is just, like, part of who you are, it just, I think it just, like, sort of, yeah. um, also just being curious, and just, I don't know, it's, I think it's interesting, I don't think that there's, like, one right answer to this. Yeah, I agree, because, like, you and I have that similarity, but, like, even my siblings, they're not, they don't understand that same like fandom obsession and I think we can like reclaim that word obsession because although it's so negative like I do not not obsessed but like I do become really into and passionate about the things like you said like I was super into horses when I was little and I would I rode horses I read books about horses I read books about taking care of horses and I played with horses and like I got all stuffed animals horses it was like all about horses for me when I was younger I never knew that I didn't know you were a horse girl that's that's interesting (laughs) really yeah yeah because I saw this post I was like you were either like a horse girl a wolf girl or a dragon girl or, like, a kid, whatever. Um, and I uh-huh. that's funny. Like, I was a wolf girl. I guess you were a horse girl. Oh, my God. That's so strange. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Until we both turned into dragon girls with Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you were still the wolf girl, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, like, I've always had that. And, like, whether it's from Harry Potter, then Karen and I had a um, Twilight thing going uh, oh, yeah. at one point, which I don't regret that. Those were Those were good days, like. They really were. Good times back in the day. But, like, we've always bonded over uh, our love of fandoms and, like, the culture that goes around um, being part of something. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know what it is that makes people more drawn to that. I don't – I really don't know because, like, again, like, it's so weird that my sisters even, like, they don't have that same thing. And it's like, but don't you want this? Like, isn't it cool? Like, And they know about it, but it's just something that they just aren't a part of. So it's just really strange to think about. Yeah, and it's so weird because, like, um, there's so many different types of people in fandom, too. It's not just one type of person. And it's not just, like, mm-hmm. um, the same age. You know, it, like, ranges mm-hmm. from, you know, to, like, 11-year-olds or, like, 7-year-olds to, I don't know, like, we saw someone who was maybe, like, 70-something at the concert. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. it's so cool because I, I don't think there's just, like, one – there's just one thing about fandom or, mm-hmm. like, One Direction fans in general that – draws people in yeah it's very interesting yeah so to those people who don't understand fandom what does fandom mean to them you know like mm-hmm. how do people look at 
people within a fandom if they don't understand fandom culture themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, are you asking um, me this? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought this was just like a posed question that you were just like philosophizing <laughs> about. Um, I think that we, like we've talked about earlier, um, there's a tendency to just latch on to someone's fandom, like when you're looking at someone and just think that that's the only thing that they have about them. That's the only thing they can like and that's the only thing they can be interested about. Um, Mm -hmm. or interested in, and that's the only part of their identity, but clearly that's not true, and um, I think that we are very capable of having, you know, multi-layered dimensions, Um, sorry, Um, you know, um, and, like, very meaningful conversations about things, but also, like, One Direction, and, um, yeah, what does it mean? What do you think? Yeah, I think the same thing. Like, I'm going to talk about the One Direction fandom in a second because I think that uh, adds, like, a whole... There's, like, a specific layer to that one. But fandom in general, even, like... And I think each fandom has a a very specific, like, uh, view that the public has because Kara and I were very much Harry Potter fangirls or fans or whatever. Um, And we went to the Quidditch World Cup one year. And when we... Like, we were really, really into it. And you might not think that. You might not think Quidditch World Cup and One Direction obsessed fans, like, go together. But, yeah. you know, you, you aren't just one thing. You're you're so many things. And just because I'm into Harry Potter doesn't mean I'm not into One Direction, doesn't mean I'm not into this, doesn't mean I'm not into that. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm anything. So I think it's really interesting. And it makes you feel quite ashamed of, not not maybe personally ashamed, but, like, you feel that, like people expect you to be ashamed for your fandom. exactly. Um, And I think that it's interesting because I definitely don't think we felt the same sort of shame um, being forced upon us, like, in the, the uh, not Twilight, definitely not Twilight, in the Harry Potter fandom because I think there were more adults and there were more men and there were boys in the fandom. So I think that it legitimized mm -hmm. in a lot of ways um, the fandom, Mm -hmm. the Harry Potter fandom in the media's eyes and just like adults eyes and just other people's eyes. And it doesn't have the layer of, um, the fact that it's like mostly teenage girls, like in the One Direction fandom. Yeah. It's definitely a different view from the public. Um, Yeah. Cause I think with the One Direction fandom, you become a very specific type of person, person, um, like ditzy, brainwashed, you have bad taste in music. Yeah. Like just because you're, because, like, you're labeled as a directioner, that automatically to people means you're, like, a silly young girl who, like, lives in this fantasy world, who can't un- in any circumstance be considered intelligent. And I think it's so frustrating that fans get wrongly categorized and, like, teased for these types of things. Like, their taste in music, first of all, like, their participation in fandom, and then, like, they get narrowed into this box of unintelligent, silly fantasy living like not in the real world which is just so frustrating yeah definitely okay and also on like um going along with the generalizing and invalidating of thoughts and opinions of um teenage girls and uh one direction fans in general um from my essay um that i wrote about teenage girl culture that i've talked briefly about in our um fangirl almighty episode um there was one instance in September of 2014, right, um, that The Daily Show host, John Stewart, made a joke about um, One Direction linking it, them to terrorist groups um, ISIS and Al-Qaeda. And um, obviously that's offensive because One Direction um, has 
Zayn Malik, or at the time had Zayn Malik, who is um, Muslim and of Pakistani descent, and he also um, often faced vicious hate speech on Twitter and also um, other social media platforms because of his religion. And One Direction fans that are aware of this and called out John Stewart for the Islamophobic comment. And the criticisms are very valid, obviously. And um, I think that it's very reasonable for um, fans to ask for accountability for Islamophobic comments in our already very Islamophobic society. Um, but they were not taken seriously. And I was looking around at articles at the time that were written about the whole incident. And the Washington Post posted an article and titled it, The Daily Show Makes a Joke About One Direction and Teenage Girls Are Losing It, which the title itself completely delegitimized delegitimizes nope that's <laughs> delegitimizes um the fans concerns and the article um uh, doesn't get any better um there was one part where the author took a fan or a fan um blog post out of complete like completely out of context and called it the virtual equivalent equivalent of a fangirl concert scream which is completely demeaning and one of the quote one of the quotations that she talked about was um, I'm shaking slash crying about this. And um, without the rest of the blog post, this might seem like an extreme and maybe typical hormonal teenage response, but the blogger was actually detailing her own personal daily struggles with facing Islamophobia. And um, the author of the article completely just brushed that by and just used the comment to illustrate One Direction fans as this just um, just incapable... Uh, you know, unintelligent mass of teenage girls when the um, blogger was actually detailing like an extremely personal, um, you know, account. And I think that this is a very um, intense example of like how far it can go, um, how far like the yeah. delegitimizing, oh my God, delegitimizing um, of fans can go and especially the One Direction fandom. Yeah, that's literally the perfect example, showing mm -hmm. that people think there's no way they could be saying anything intelligent. There's no way they could, like, have something of importance to really say besides just crying, hormonal, like, yeah. fangirly obsession. Yeah. And you, then you're, you're losing out on all of, like, the good things coming out of something like that. Yeah. Um, so, good, really good point there. Mm, thanks. Um, so do you think fandom is ever a bad thing? Um, I think there is an overwhelming positive thing about fandom, but I think the only bad parts just happen when um, there's a, um, I don't know, I want to say maybe less critical examination of the celebrities than there might, like then the situation might call for. Maybe if one of the boys or just celebrities in general make a, um, you know, um, a racist or homophobic or maybe sexist comment and then fans sort of just brush by it. Um, I think that's the only part that about celebrity culture in general really is sort of um, negative because I think you can't, like we talked about, you can love someone, love a fan or love a celebrity and still like critique them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think fandom as a whole is extremely positive, but Definitely. there's, like, either sections of a fandom that you might not agree with, or at times where maybe a part of the fandom... I don't think ever the whole fandom is moving as one 
body and thinking in the same way. Definitely. Uh, but but parts of the fandom and groups might do stuff that you don't agree with. Yeah, or um, individuals, I think, because I don't... I think. Yeah, that's... or individuals, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I want to talk about what makes the One Direction fandom different than other fandoms. I think uh, with fandom culture in general, there's a lot of the same stuff, the things that we talked about, fan fiction, fan art, like camaraderie, friendship. I think those are kind of universal in fandoms, and that's what makes fandoms so great. Yeah. But I think it's interesting talking about the One Direction fandom, how it differs from other fandoms. And there's a couple things I saw um, specifically. Firstly, the demographics of who makes up the One Direction fandom, mm-hmm. um, both in age and gender. It's overwhelmingly young girls who are part of the One Direction fandom. Um, and that's not to say that there's not everyone else, but like compared to the Harry Potter fandom, like we discussed earlier, there was a lot more uh, gender-neutral spread in the Harry Potter fandom and age spread as well. You saw people who, mothers reading to their children and grandmothers and, you know, aunts, uncles, children, cousins, everyone, you know, like Mm -hmm. all reading it. I don't know why I just named that in like a family tree format, but maybe it was Harold getting to me when he's uh, describing people at the shows. (laughs) But, um, you know, people of all ages you know, reading Harry Potter, but in One Direction, while there are people, in the One Direction fandom, while there are people of all ages, and that's extremely important to note, the majority of people are young, and the majority of people are girls. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that is definitely different, and I think the views that people have on the One Direction fandom uh, is caused by this demographic difference. Um, But also I think what the One Direction fandom puts out is also important to note that it's, like, reflected in the demographic. Um, So I think that's one thing. Uh, And then the, I think, the articulate use of social media from the fandom that I've seen. I know um, as fandoms, like, modern fandoms compared to, like, the Harry Potter fandom that was, I mean, it's still around, but not, like, the height of the Harry Potter fandom was before things like Twitter had really kicked off as big as it is now. Um, but I see that the One Direction family, uh, fandom uh, in general is so much more um, savvy with social media, whether that's getting um, trends, trending topics on Twitter to happen. I think like daily, it's weird not to see something One Direction trending on Twitter like, and it's all fan created rather than maybe like something Taylor Swift tweets, then that hashtag will get uh, retweeted and then it'll start trending. But One Direction fans come up with their own trends and they get trending all by themselves, which I think is really cool to note. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah. And then uh, also just the, if you look at Taylor Swift, who has like 64 million uh, people following her on Twitter. And then you look at um, Louis, who has the least amount of follows out of all the boys. He's like around like 20 million or something. Um, like way less than Taylor Swift. The amount of retweets that Louis gets on a tweet versus Taylor Swift, you would think it was the other way around. Taylor Swift might get between 5,000 and 60,000 retweets on average. Louis gets between 60,000 and like 100, 200,000 on average tweets, retweets on each of his tweets. Um, and I think if you compare One Direction 
like retweeting wise with other celebrities, you'll see the same thing that One Direction is one of the highest uh, celebrity groups to get retweeted. Um, so I think that's really interesting. And it goes to show that fans are way more active. One Direction fans are way more active on Twitter compared to Taylor Swift fans. And it says that people following Taylor Swift are more following her because she's an iconic image of our time rather than because they're diehard fans of Taylor Swift, I think. Yeah, that's true. That's interesting. Do you agree? Do you agree with those that stuff that I said? I mean, you know, the numbers say it all. <laughs> it's hard to argue with facts Uh, and I think that's really interesting that you um did that kind of research that's really cool oh thank you do you think there's anything else that that you've noticed that separates the One Direction fandom from other fandoms um I don't know because there's also a lot of um convergence is that even a word um between fandoms and like a One Direction fan can be also like a Taylor Swift fan so I think it's yeah uh, yeah um, I don't really know how, how that has to do with anything about your question, but I think um, <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I think there's so many more similarities. Um, and I'm sure these, the things that I pointed out, there are other fandoms that um, have, you know, mostly young girl, uh, like the demographics is young girl. Um, so there's a lot of others, I'm sure, like, you know, the Justin Bieber fandom, I'm sure the Taylor Swift fandom has a lot more young women in, in the fandom than anyone else. But, um, yeah, but those are just some differences that I saw that I thought were important. Um, Mm -hmm. and then just why do we like the One Direction fandom so much? Like, why is it, why are we a part of it? Why is it so great? Why do we, why are we proud to be a part of the One Direction fandom? Um, I think that a lot of the things that I'm really proud um, about or proud to say um, happens because of the One Direction fandom is things we're going to be talking about um, later on, but just as a little, um, you know, glimpse into the future. Um, I think that a lot of, like, the fan-run projects are just so cool, and I don't know, like, I haven't, I guess I'm not really heavily involved in other fandoms, um, so I don't know, but I feel like One Direction fandom is so, like, the fan projects are just so cool, and the fan-run charities, like, that's awesome. Like, that is mm-hmm. so cool. Like, yeah. I have never seen anything like it and such on such a big scale, mm-hmm. and I think um, it just it's just really cool. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about that later and get into more specifics, but just I think that's, like, one of my points. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's so much a part, the idea that, like, it is young women who are the most influential in the One Direction fandom that um, it's really contrasted to a lot of parts of society where uh, that body of people does not have the same voice that they have in the One Direction fandom. And mm-hmm. the fact that you see, like, young girls running, really running, like, what goes on in the fandom is really interesting to me. And and the impact that they have, like, through social media um, and all this stuff that we're going to be talking about with charity and fan projects and all that I think it's just a super female-driven, like, business-minded and, like, forward-thinking fandom that people don't really realize um, when they're looking from the outside in rather than being on the inside. Because, you know, you we have talked about articles where you can tell that the person understands the One Direction fandom and that they're coming from within and they get it. Um, But unfortunately, so much of what's said about the One Direction fandom is people looking from the outside and saying... This is just, you know, crazy girls. Yeah, and, like, don't even try to get 
even like touch like under the surface at all just sort of just rely on stereotypes and just the mm -hmm. media's portrayal just I don't mm -hmm. even know why just for the the clicks of like older people just like trying to be like oh those crazy kids you know mm -hmm. and um, I think go ahead no I had nothing else to say um I think also like that's such a big part of this podcast for Kara and I is to really show that that's not what the fandom is about and to show like a different an alternative perspective to people who might be um not seeing it for what it is you know we really try to present ourselves in a way that shows us as multifaceted and shows us as people who have a lot of different sides to us and we're not just silly we're not crazy we're intelligent we speak about you know political and social issues we yes we talk about one direction but we talk about a whole bunch more um so i think i think that's really uh, why the fandom is so great because it allows for that. Yeah, yeah, and it, we're not outliers. It's not just us and then like yeah, the One Direction not. fandom. You know, I think it's like this is absolutely such a running theme throughout it. Mm -hmm. Is that the One Direction fandom is so intelligent and also silly? You know, I think I think we've talked about that. I think it's really cool that we yeah. can um just be um just demonstrate that here on this podcast. You know. Mm -hmm. All right, so we're gonna start breaking down parts of the One Direction fandom. Um, we're going to break them down into groups like art, uh, the business side of things, uh, fan art, uh, fan fiction. So let's start off with the art section. And I'm going to start talking about fan fiction. Um, and so for those who don't know, fan fiction is um, written works, whether that be poetry stories or novel length um, written pieces uh, by fans about it could be like TV characters, band members, YouTubers. It's whatever fandom you're a part of. So why, I want to talk about, I think fan fiction in general gets such a bad rap, um, again, from the public, like, as we've talked about with everything else, in, with, like, with fandom, <laughs> uh, fan fiction gets, is very negatively looked down upon, and it's not really considered um, real writing, and it's not considered uh, something that could be positive uh, for young people. So I wanted to talk about why fan fiction is a good thing. Um, and I've made a number of points as to why I think it's a good thing. Uh, firstly, creativity. I mean, you have young women, especially women, again, I mean, young people, especially women, um, who are, are, are creating this whole, uh, culture around writing and reading and sharing and learning and communicating with each other all online through free bodies of work and they're taking their time to write stuff for free for their own creativity and share it with people and create a dialogue um which is extremely important because uh women aren't necessarily encouraged to write uh elsewhere in their in their lives and this is a place where they can write in a way that they want to write, not in maybe a more formal uh, setting, but it really is allowing people to be creative, um, which is yeah, awesome. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, and like, um, again, with the research that I've done um, for my the paper that I wrote, I saw so many people talking about how um, either they or like maybe their younger siblings or something have um, written and read fan fiction and that's like actually benefited them um, in school because they've gotten you know better at reading and writing and it's through something they actually like doing mm -hmm. and I think that it's always a big um, struggle for teachers and parents to try to get you know um, 
younger people to read. I'm not saying, like, for, like, a seven-year-old to, like, read fan fiction, but, like, you know, teenagers <laughs> to read. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, when you present it in a way that um, brings in something that they already love mm-hmm. into something that they might not love as much, I think it, there's so much more... Uh, willing to you know uh, try out reading and writing and I think that's so cool because it's such a like important part of life I Mm -hmm. think Mm -hmm. absolutely and I think also just like with any type of literature and I want to call this literature because I think it's important to uh, give fan fiction that name because you there's people who write novel length stuff and it's well written a lot of it is so Mm -hmm. well written Um, yes and and so like just like any other type of literature when you read a book or you read a fan fiction, you're going to get a whole wealth of knowledge, whether that, like, depending on what the fan fiction is written about, like, whether it's related to mental health, whether it's related to if, it, if the plot is set, you know, in a historical time place and the author's done a whole bunch of research surrounding that um, history, that part of history, or if it takes place in another country and you learn about cultures from another country, or if it revolves around LGBTQ plus things, like you're going to learn all about that. And so not only is it enjoyable and encouraging um, young people to read, it's also uh, providing knowledge, just like any other, any other book you pick up, it's going to give you a whole bunch of knowledge on something that you might not never have known about. Um, Yeah, it's so cool. Like, um, because I follow some fic writers on Tumblr, and I think it's so interesting to see how much they research, like how much research actually goes into fic, and they are honestly novel-length novel length things. Like, it's crazy. Like, we've, uh, like I remember Caitlin did the math for one um, uh, thing, and it was ended up being, like, longer than a Harry Potter book, which yeah. is just crazy. Th- there's ones that are longer. That, like, I think the fourth Harry Potter book, I want to get this number, I think the fourth Harry Potter book had 190,000 words, and mm. there's so many fics that are way longer than that. And you know the fourth one's like a huge chunk book. Oh my so, god, yeah. So, that's, that's like one of the longest ones. Yeah, so it's incredible how long these are. These aren't just like little 10-page stories. These are novels. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to have young people writing that and publishing it themselves and getting feedback from other authors or readers. And I, I want to also mention, like, the collaboration that um, artists and writers and readers all have on fan fiction websites. Like, you have people who will beta or, like, ha- be become an editor to someone's work. And this is all mm-hmm. done for free, where someone will, yeah. you know, partner have a partnership with someone editing their work, you know, trying to make it better. It's like a complete, it's it's a very business side to fan fiction that people don't understand, you know, uh, which yeah. is really cool. And then you have things like fic exchanges where you're getting people who might not be so comfortable writing yet and they b- take part in a fic exchange so that they can really get into starting to write fic or, you know, just doing it for fun. Um, and, and a lot of times they're like based around different, topics or different ships or whatever but again you feel that collaboration between the community it's not just individuals posting their stories it's so much about sharing and being a part of uh the fan fiction community um yeah and and i think um again i think it's really cool to underline that this is all done for free Mm -hmm. like the fact that it's it honestly is some of them are longer than like harry potter books and it's 
completely free. They don't get any any money off of this. And mm-hmm. um, especially the editing, like people are paid like good money to edit things and mm-hmm. people edit um, novel length fan fictions for free. And I think that's really cool. It's just something mm-hmm. people do- love doing. And um, I think that honestly, um, anything just like made um, just out of just for the love of doing it, I think is just a really beautiful thing mm-hmm. um, because it's not, for any money or any capital gain really it's Mm -hmm. honestly just because they want to share their work with other people who enjoy it and I think that's such a beautiful and like pure thing Mm -hmm. and these people are talented you know these editors are not just because they're doing for free doesn't mean they're not good at what they do and same with the writers they are very talented these people yeah Um, I've read so many um (laughs) okay um but like some fan fictions just really blow me away and like honestly they make me want to just become a better writer and um I um have a lot of like I don't know anxiety with like starting writing and I just want it to be perfect and everything but I think that um a good way to practice is to I mean good way to get better is to practice and I think that you know a lot of these fan fiction writers could end up being like the great novelists of our time because Mm -hmm. um there are some extremely talented people Yeah, and I think it's interesting to follow someone's writing over time or if you go back and look at how they started writing and how they write now and to see that progression. I think that's same with artists who do fan art, to see the progression of their art, and it's so much about practice in both the fields. Yeah. Um, And that's what the fan fiction community encourages, which is really great. Yeah. Um, And then we wanted to talk about um, the LGBTQ plus things that revolve around fan fiction and I think this is very prevalent in the One Direction fandom but also other ones um Teen Wolf uh, I've seen (laughs) a lot of but I think um especially on uh certain fan fiction websites uh archive of our own especially um Mm -hmm. you see so much fan fiction written about non-heterosexual relationships um Mm -hmm. And the way that it's done, it really gets rid of, like, heteronormative stuff because it's not, um, and heteronormative is where you, like, assume people are straight and you assume regular binary gender and, you know, there's gender roles and this girls do this and guys do this. Um, but you sort of get rid of that because a lot of times the story comes at, um, LGBTQ plus things as if it's just accepted in society a lot of times where it's yeah. just normal or at least in in the group of characters that the author is working with um, and and it allows for all types of sexualities it allows for friendships between people of different sexualities you know you could have two guys that are just friends one's gay one's straight but they are still really close and the straight friend doesn't care that one of them's gay and the gay friend doesn't care that their their other friend's straight it's just it's like multiple sexualities are more normalized and i think there's a it's it's good for in culture to talk about um to not forget about sexualities and the troubles like the problems that and like experiences that come along with people of different sexualities i think it's yeah. important to recognize that but i think a lot of times what happens in you know um in tv shows and stuff that we have um like someone's sexuality becomes the main part of the story and that's the only thing that's important about that character um and yep. so you sort of forget that they're a whole person and i think in yeah. a lot of uh fan fiction stories 
it's more that the, this character might be gay, but they're also this, this, and this. And you mm-hmm. get to see um, people as full people rather than just as their sexuality, which I think is extremely important. And and good for people to read whether or not, like, you personally relate. Um, do you have any opinions yeah. on any of that? Sorry that it cut out for a little bit, but I think that you worded that so beautifully. I think that was, like, great. And I think that's a big reason why fan fiction is so important because it is, like, a subculture of society where people can really write whatever they want and Mm -hmm. without being forced to, um, you know, have to think about um, what's, like, going to sell best and, like, what what is, like, the majority of... um, you know, the audience going to want and, like, how much money can we make? But if we, like, have, you know, um, if we have more than one token gay character, like, you know, it might be too much and, like, it might be blah, 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 you know? And I think mm-hmm. that it really is a great place and I think it is a, it is a safe space for people. Um, and I think it's, it's just great. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I think one example of this specifically is, like I was saying about the fic exchanges that revolve around certain topics, I've seen fic exchanges that all, like, people, everyone writing a fic for this exchange, I don't know if people know what fic exchanges are, but, like, you um, get a fellow author and you each give each other prompts and you write a fic for each other. Um, but mm-hmm. some some are based like solely on asexual characters. So you get that yeah, entire representation so cool. of a whole bunch of people writing about asexuality and doing research about it and getting people talk about talking about it. Whereas you don't see that in, you know, popular fiction in the rest of society. You don't see that type of thing. Yeah. So it's so important yeah. to have that representation uh, in fan fiction where you're a part of a community that supports that and wants to, you know, like to write about it and to explore it and talk about it and I just think that's really cool and like actual asexual people maybe Mm -hmm. writing or helping authors write a Mm -hmm. a good representation of asexuality I think that's so important because you know a lot of times there might be misrepresentation like on um, popular media and I think that this kind of uncensored writing is just so good for um, getting the actual uh, you know, uh, representation of, like, um, different sexualities and different identities. And um, I know, like, I've learned a lot fr- about asexuality and other identities and sexualities, like um, polyamory, I think. Um, I'm not sure. That's how it's pronounced, right? I think so. That's how I would say it. Okay, yeah. And I really did not know anything about it, but I've, like, read some things about it, and I think that um, it's just like a great way to, you know, expand your breadth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I've learned so much. I've learned like, yeah. And, and for it to become and not learning it in a weird way, you're learning it in an enjoyable way where it's like yeah. more chill and more normalized. And I don't know. I think it's very, yeah. it, it creates a yeah, really and from unique the source. space. Yeah. From the source. Exactly. Mm hmm. Um, and like not can, always, but and often it is. Yeah, often or people who have done a lot of research or who are collaborating yeah. with people so that they really can yeah. um, represent things in the best way. Um, mm-hmm. And then to continue on with that, I think uh, fan fiction is a really interesting way for people to explore sexuality in general. Um, mm-hmm. I think it provides a much better representation and more equal partnership in in a lot of the fan fictions. 
obviously you're not going to get that in every fan fiction, but it, it provides yeah. a good, um, you know, representation of what relationships should look like rather than something like an abusive relationship. So it provides people with that, um, like standard for relationships. Uh, yeah. it also, it gives readers a way to explore sexuality that isn't dominated by the negative treatment of women in porn and like, yeah. Um, do you want to talk a bit more about that here? Yeah. So, um, also my paper, sorry to keep it um, coming up, but I think that I really did do a lot of research that goes along with this. Um, I found that, um, I think it's kind of no secret that there is a lot of, uh, um, aggression and violence, like outright violence, um, uh, against women in the, um, porn industry. And um, I found a study that was done in 2008, which is pretty recent, and the researchers found that in pornography directed by males, there was an aggression present in 85.2% of scenes, and um, the percentage only dropped to 77% in films directed by women, which is the overwhelming majority, and Mm -hmm. I think that's honestly... um, That's scary, honestly. And I think that um, people like to think that... um, porn can be separate from like everyday life but you have to realize that um people take that as like that's what they should be doing or that's the norm and especially young people that into, who are who like don't know yeah yet. yep yeah and then they translate that into their own world and their own um they bring that aggression violence towards their own partner and mm-hmm. it it may not be consensual and yeah. um i think that's a huge thing is that um consent you know I think mm-hmm. I love when fix really underline that because I think that's such an important thing yeah and I think I, I have seen a lot of fix that do underline that and I think it's mm-hmm. just it's really cool mm-hmm. yeah and I'll even comment sometimes saying I loved the consent you put in here like it's so yeah. important uh just mm-hmm. because it is a lot of young people are reading these things and it's a really good way to um demonstrate how relationships should look you know? Yeah. Um, so why do you think fan fiction isn't taken seriously by society? Well, um, I think that like pretty much everything else we've been saying, it's because it's a, a mostly female dominated space. And as we've pretty much proved, that's not usually taken seriously. And I think a mm-hmm. whole nother thing is that not all, but, um, many of the stories do have a sexual component to it and mm-hmm. um, young women especially are not allowed to um, display or experiment with their sexuality um, in the same way that young men are because I think that in society it's pretty much um, just just assumed that young men will um, watch porn but um, mm-hmm. that's the whole that's not assumed with young women and I think that there's a lot of stigma around um, young women exploring that side mm-hmm. of their yeah. sexuality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's interesting to note that stories, just like fan fiction, have been told for years and years and years and years, like hundreds of yep. years ago. These same mm-hmm. stories have been retold again and again, different ways. You know, they've been told through word of mouth. They've been to- told through like written on scrolls and stuff. But nowadays, if your story is not published by a real publisher, then it's not real, you know? So, like, I think that's another part of it where it's like, oh, this can't be real literature. It's online, you know? It can't be real literature. It's, like, not published. 
Um, but that yeah. didn't happen way back in the day. And fan fiction, yes, while it's, while it's using characters or people from, you know, maybe a TV show or a band, people are creating entire worlds out of these characters. And it's no different yep. them, you know, pulling ideas from a TV show than the same TV show pulling ideas from Shakespeare's literature or like plays and stuff. So yeah, exactly. It's no different. And I think that's part of the problem that people don't see it that way. Yeah, I think it's completely normal to take um, something that you love, like characters that you love and want to transform them and put them in different Mm -hmm. um, like settings and just stories. And I think that like you've said that it's been happening since the dawn of time, basically since stories have happened, people have retold Mm -hmm. stories and changed them because they didn't like what happened or they wanted to see like explore a different side of it. I think that's completely natural. And I don't really understand um, not just in the One Direction fandom, but when authors or like um, film producers look down on fan fiction and think it's like a um, a negative thing, I just don't understand because it's just uh, it's just a you know a showing how much you love like a particular work. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't understand how people could take it negatively because it just really. Um, yeah, it just shows how much you love something. If you want to like take it and like create your own thing out of it, I just I think that's great yeah yeah so do you think there's any negatives to fan fictions um, to fan fiction in general well I think that um we actually had a ri- uh, listener write in and ask us to talk about after which is a fan fiction that is now being turned into a movie and um neither of us have read it so we're not the authorities on this, but we've um, heard that it doesn't have the most healthy um, show, like the most healthy representation of a relationship. I think that people have um, said it to be abusive and violent, and mm-hmm. I think that um, the fact that that's the one fan fiction um, that, well, um, one one the only One Direction fan fiction that movie, movie producers decided to turn into a movie is really upsetting because I think that there's so many positive fan fiction out there and so many positive representations of healthy, like, so healthy and so strong relationships that mm-hmm. it's just upsetting that they would choose um, this one to to make into a movie. Yeah, and I think we see that with Fifty Shades of, Shades of Grey as well, where... Uh, that Twilight fan fiction turned into a novel yeah. just has such a bad representation of equal partnership in a relationship and consent. And uh, it just puts such a negative, it just it puts a negative view of fan fiction because of what that specific fan fiction represents and shows. Uh, yeah. Which... It's sad though, because it could have been such like a good um, opportunity for like, women to like you know um Mm -hmm. read like sexual um novels or whatever but it just doesn't seem um to be the most healthy thing but again we have we neither of us have read um either one so we're just talking from what we've heard about but it it seems to be the overwhelming opinion that it does is not the best yeah, um, I'd love to hear if any of our if any of our listeners have read Fifty Shades of Grey or After, uh, to hear yeah. their opinions on uh, how that compares to other fan fiction or what type of relationship uh, it presents and whether or not you think that that's a good relationship, uh, an equal partnership. I'd love to hear that. Mm-hmm. So write in if you have read that. 
Definitely. Um, then we had a listener who is at Niall and Me for Life on Twitter write into us about fan fiction, saying that they um, write a lot of fan fiction um, about. She says I uh, write a lot of fan fiction about me and Niall, but they're super embarrassing. But I love them. Um, hmm. So and she goes to talk about. I don't know if she like wants us to read all this uh, on the show, but. Um, it's just interesting that I, I like that you can put yourself, that people put themselves in relationships as well. And she says, like, it's embarrassing, but I love them. So it's not necessarily yeah. for anyone else, but it's for her own enjoyment writing these fan fictions and, you know, using that creativity, but also like it's fun to do. Um, she also says that she loves reading them as much as writing them uh, to people because uh, in our fandom... People in our fandom put so much time and energy, and to see the finished product, it is amazing, um, which I agree That's with. That's so true. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I really liked that comment. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything else? Oh, I wanted to add one more thing for fan fiction. Um, the thing, the I think more, again, legitimizing fan fiction is from what I've read, I've always wanted to be um, a pediatrician. But, um, after, I mean, a lot of things went into my career goals now, um, and I want to be a child and adolescent psychiatrist, uh, right now. And a lot of what helped me choose my path was reading fan fiction revolving around different mental health, um, people going through different mental health things. So I think, again, it's so silly to say that it's not real that it doesn't have a good like an impact because it has literally cha- like helped me create my career path for my own life of what yeah. I want to do because I've read stories by people who have gone through certain mental health things and they're writing in a way that is so real and so touching um, that it made me want to become uh, an adolescent psychiatrist, you know? So I think that just goes to show you how powerful fan fiction can be. I think that's honestly such a cool thing. And I remember you telling me a couple years back that um, like some specific fan fictions have had like such a big impact on like your thought process and just like your career path. And I think that's like so cool. And I want, I'm sure there's other people like you who've just had, um, you know, mm-hmm. different epiphanies like while reading fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's not fake. Like I'm third year pre-med student now. So like I'm <laughs> going for it. Um, yeah. yeah, I think just... <laughs> I think fan fiction is uh, a really awesome community. Um, Definitely. So let's move into fan art now. Yeah. Okay. So it's pretty tied into fan fiction. I think um, a lot of the reasons people enjoy it are for the same reasons. But I think that, you know, we could get into like a philosophical discussion about why people like art. But I think... um, uh, you know, it boils down to there's different different representations of reality, um, or it could be a break from reality. You know, there's like One Direction is aliens or something, um, and it's just <laughs> a lot of the times really nice to look at, and um, also a lot of the times it can be expressions of you know different fantasies. And I'm not meaning like sexual. I'm meaning like you know One Direction as Pokemon trainers, as dragon trainers, as One mm-hmm. Direction as dogs. You know. Um, Harry wearing the yellow shorts again because I'm sure we all love to see that and I've seen a lot of fan art revolving around that and um, just God bless every fan artist who has done that. Um, And I think that 
again, like fan fiction, I think it opens doorways for people who maybe don't typically enjoy looking at art. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that, again, people are more likely to enjoy something um, when something that they already like is brought into it, like seeing art of bands and celebrities you love. Um, maybe you don't like going to the museum and looking at, um, you know, paintings from Monet, but you'll like looking at pictures of Harry Styles, someone painted um, on mm -hmm. Tumblr. And I think it's just cool because maybe you'll um, be more open to other forms of art too. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that also I've seen especially in the One Direction fandom, there's a really cool community for fan artists because I think that the exposure is just uh, really cool and the fact that you have just a bunch of people, um, you know, talking about your fan art, reblogging your fan art, um, commenting on it, complimenting you, I think that's just a really cool way to, like, build a, you know, fan base. And people are actually, like, making money from their fan mm -hmm. art and I think that's really cool, you know, through Society6 and Redbubble and all those websites, people are, you know, they should be paid for their hard work. It goes, like, hours and hours going to fan art. And mm -hmm. I think that people um, don't recognize that, maybe because it's, you know, a portrait of, like, Niall. But, yeah, you know, it's, like, hours and hours go into that. And I think mm -hmm. um, it's really cool that people are, like, making money for themselves off of it. Yeah, I see people getting commissioned for people to make, artists to make tattoos, like, for yeah. other fans. Like, that is so cool. And I also love mm -hmm. the support. Like, you talked about everyone reblogging other people's work. But I'll see, like, um, fan artists. I mean, yeah, fan art artists, people who um, are, like, very big and have a lot of followers will go and seek out less followed and less noticed um, fan artists. And they'll, like, reblog their stuff and say, like, everyone check this person out. They're awesome. And, like, to get that, um, you know, to get people who are either like super practiced or um, a lot more recognized on social media to help out the people who aren't as much um, is really cool as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think that um, it's just a cool way to find like new people, like new artists to follow because I definitely will follow like a lot of the artists that mm -hmm. I've found through the One Direction fandom like throughout their careers because they're ex so extraordinarily talented and it's just like clear that they're going to, you know, do great things with their art. And I think it's such a cool um, thing that we get to like see this part of their um, you know journey mm -hmm. yeah and definitely. Um, also I wanted to add that um, there was a project um, going on or put on by 1D Fans Give and it's called the From Stairs to Stadiums 1D Art Book and a bunch of artists um, came together and did artwork that um, they ne they didn't post anywhere else and th it's just it's um, in commemoration for like the five years of One Direction and um, um, uh, $12 from every book will be split evenly between this year's 1D fans give charity drives for each of the boys and I think that's just so cool um, because, you know, the fan art is being transformed into something that's literally raising money for charity. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, so if you want to buy one, I'll leave a link. And I know the U.S. and international softcover books are still available. I think the hardcover for U.S. Inter and international, um, are sold out, but there are still some left. And I think it's really cool because, you know, there are some big name artists in the One Direction fandom who, um, contributed. And I think it's just like so awesome that they they did that and that 1D fans give um, put that project together. Yeah, and I think it's incredible to realize that this was not directed through 
the One Direction official Twitter or any of the boys. This was a complete, yeah. like, like all a whole bunch of other fan projects. It's completely thought of, directed, organized, like put out by like the collaboration of the fandom. Which yeah. I think that really separates the One Direction fandom from other fandoms because I don't know if yeah. there's this many types of projects done um, by other fandoms, you know? Yeah, it's so cool. And like, I, there's not a huge company like packaging and shipping these books out, you know? Like, it's mm-hmm. like a couple of people like doing that all and putting all of that work on themselves. And I think that's like really like awesome and commendable that they wouldn't yeah. like take the time to do that um, for charity. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add about fan art? Um, no, I love it. I, I've like tried to do, um, I've like tried to do some drawings and it makes me want to really pick up drawing some more. And yeah. I, I may, it's like so hard to make yourself actually sit down, but then like, I really enjoy it. So I want to yeah. keep practicing, and who knows, maybe I'll post something one day. But, um, mm. yeah, I love I love that people do fan art. I think it's great. I know. Me too. I love it so much. Okay, now we're going to move on to the business side of the fandom, which it's so weird to say business and, like, One Direction fandom, like, in the same thing. But, like, that's just what it is. People pretty much, like, run online businesses, which is so cool if you think about it that way. Um, the yeah. first thing I want to talk about is the update accounts, like, One Direction update accounts. These are accounts that, um, you know, update, you just follow it, and it gives you, like, all the pictures that are coming out of One Direction. It updates you on, you know, fan-voted things that you should vote for, any um, award shows One Direction is going to, um, projects, fan projects, all this type of stuff where it tells you, like, the performance of the boys, like charities, blah, blah, blah. Pretty much everything revolving around One Direction. And a lot of these accounts are run by people who are teenagers, you know, young people, maybe like a group of three or four or five young people running an account that has like up to like 800,000. I don't know what the the most followed one, but I, a One Direction update account is, but I think it's like 800, over 800,000. Um, followers. So almost a million followers. But there's hundreds of these accounts that have, you know, anywhere yeah. from like a couple hundred followers to, you know, almost a million. So I think it's incredible that you have such young people doing this all by themselves and running accounts that reach out to that many people. Um, and I think the collaboration between the co-owners of these accounts like it really runs like a business now like I'm coming from I know with Kara and I we share the the talk direction Twitter account and you know we're constantly texting about what we should be tweeting what we should how we should respond to people on Twitter um what emojis we should use (laughs) yeah what emojis oh my god we get into that we're like one emoji two emojis like should we do the rainbow or the smiley face like the heart I don't know which (laughs) order seriously it gets intense Like, and that might seem silly to some people, to maybe people of older generations, that might seem silly. But for younger generations, because social media is so big, stuff like what you're tweeting is so important and so relevant. And that collaboration between, um, you know, any type of One Direction account on Twitter is so important and interesting. And it really is like, it, it seems like Kara and I are business partners with this podcast. So I have to assume that for update accounts that are reaching out to almost a million people, it is very much like a business and run like a business, um, which I just think is so cool. 
Uh, I know like even for like applications to become a co-owner, you see people have to fill out real job applications. Like this is why I want to do it. This is my free time. This is why you should have me be a co-owner. And like they discuss, I don't know, it's just it's so interesting because people don't see it that way because maybe it's like a teenage girl doing it. But the fact that mm-hmm. a teenage girl can run something that big uh, at such a young age when she has school going on and this and that, like, it's just very interesting because these things are up to date, you know, like yeah, the amount of work that it takes to get like everything tweeted out, make sure people know what's going on, keeping everyone up to date, posting photos, doing all that. That's like a lot of work. You don't realize. I, know. I literally do not understand how, like, accounts that have, like, three people can constantly be posting throughout the day and, like, be up to date. Like, I don't mm-hmm. understand, like, how that's even possible. Um, yeah. It's just, like, amazing to me. But also, I just wanted to point out that sometimes there are update accounts that's, I feel like, maybe bordering on um, going too far. I've seen some applications that basically are asking um, people to literally stalk the boys um, oh, yeah, that's and, not cool. Yeah, and I feel like that is just going too far, and I think there's that's that's a line that you shouldn't cross. And I think yeah. that, um, you know, everyone deserves their privacy, and um, I think that when that's, like, the, um, the application process is to, like, actually basically um, sign your life away to stalk someone... Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that's like, okay. Yeah, that's definitely not okay. (laughs) Um, I'm talking more about like, uh, applications that ask you like when you're free in the day to post. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's like awesome that people have actual applications. I think on Tumblr too, a lot of times it's like what type of content you create, like based on different videos you put together or GIFs you create and stuff. Um, Yeah. I feel like I was going to say another thing. Um, I forget. Um, I also think it's interesting that some of the these accounts are so big that they have the ability to advertise and make money. I know I've seen a lot of uh, accounts like advertising, and I mean, like, good for them. They're making money off what they're doing. Oh, I, I was gonna say that um, these people for for big corporations, it's a job to be hired as a social media expert. So to have these young people, again, working for free to do all of this, such good promotion for One Direction, first of all. But they're, like, doing it for free. They're not getting paid. But this is the type yeah. of stuff that people get uh paid for in real corporations to run social media sites. And I think yeah. it'll be interesting to see how, you know, someday when these people go out and, you know get a real career if they use like the fact that they ran a Twitter account for 500,000 people as a, because I think that would look impressive on any type of application, regardless of whether or not it had to do with one direction. I think that alone looks extremely impressive. Uh, So I'll be really interested to see how that can be beneficial to people. Yeah, Um, sure. But I think it's really cool that people can also make money through this. Uh, through advertising. Yeah. Um, and then I think something super important about these update accounts is that while the majority of what it talks about, what they talk about is One Direction, um, a lot of other things come along with that. Just like we said about the podcast, you can bring in things like, uh, to your update account that might relate to One Direction, but have 
political and social importance in society. Like, you know, talking about Rainbow Direction, um, a, a, a twi- a update account might talk about Rainbow Direction and that ads talked about the LGBTQ plus community or when marriage equality was passed. Uh, I saw a lot of update accounts, you know, putting rainbow um, things, rainbow filters over their um, Twitter icons or when things like the, um, who was it, John Oliver, you said? Uh, who was the, who did the Islamophobic? Oh, um, John Stewart. John Stewart. Um, who is John Oliver? I don't know why I said that. He's another, uh, like, uh, late night show host oh, guy. Oh, okay, that's why. Okay. Um, yeah. But when things like, uh, Islamophobia come up, um, these updated accounts will talk about that and talk about how we can go about to, you know, get rid of Islamophobia, get rid of homophobia, and, like, try to create a really supportive community, um, like, in the One Direction fandom. So I think that, and, and when they do tweet about other stuff, that same stuff is reaching those 500,000 followers, like, whether or not it's about One Direction. So the influence that these young people have to their followers is extremely important and should not just be passed by because they have the ability to really change a generation a generation of people yeah that's that's really true so that's what i have to say if you guys run update accounts and i know um a couple of our listeners do either an update account or an account that revolves around you know harry styles and literature or harry styles and fashion or one direction um like when they were younger and post photos all about that, write into us and tell us um, about how how it is like a business. I want to know, like, how is it run? Um, I'd yeah. be really happy to hear that. And like how much time goes into it and like how do you talk to the other people involved in the account? I would just love to know all the details. Like I'm a nosy person. I just like love to know. <laughs> yeah. Because um, like Karen and I know what like for the podcast, but we don't know. Yeah. We're not a part of any other type of update account. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that would be really cool to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tumblr accounts as well, very similar to, you know, Twitter accounts. Um, but a lot of times Tumblr accounts, I mean, there are update accounts, but I think a lot of them revolve around other parts of um, things related to One Direction. I've seen a lot of fashion accounts, whether that be um, One Direction's fashion or maybe um, one of One Direction's girlfriends or sisters fashion um like Gemma they'll have a a whole tumblr revolving around Gemma or Eleanor or Sophia um that also goes for makeup with like Lottie and Lou Teasdale they -hmm. branch off from One Direction and then really explore and go be be creative in a community that while it stemmed from One Direction is sort of its own thing um in itself and they learn more about whatever they're passionate about clothing makeup um anything like that. I know even some people that I follow were One Direction fans who became really interested in um, fashion. I think it was it was Eleanor's fashion, but then she herself went on to become a blogger and is now a huge blogger. So that's so cool. Yeah. And like has her, her own huge following. And it was through One Direction that she got there. But now it's more about like she is like 13,000 Instagram followers, and it's all about her own blogging uh, fashion stuff. So it, like, really opens doors, which I think is so cool. Yeah. Um, um, and then I think it's also important to point out 
maybe lesser known people in the fandom who, you know, put GIFs together. So GIF creators or GIF or whatever you want to pronounce it. People who put um, mashups of different videos together. Um, we've talked about ones of like all like Harry dancing weird or all the boys falling over all like compiled into one video. Um, stuff like that, yeah. which might get like like thousands of uh, reblogs that are actually like people who created these. So it's important to point them out. Um, yeah, that's so true. Cause I think I take for granted that like gifts are just always around and like yeah. people actually take so much time making them. Like I have no idea how mm-hmm. to make them. Like I have no yeah. idea how to edit a picture, you know, of Harry mm-hmm. to like make it look good and like make all those like beautiful edits and like with beautiful mm-hmm. overlays and like text and like, you know, I like reblog them, but I just take for granted that people actually spend so much time on it. I think it's like another form of fan art, really. Yeah, um, and I think it's like really cool that like people take the time to make those um, just mm-hmm. also for free and just like because they enjoy doing it and like to share um, that they're just like um, their art with other people. And I think that also, um, you know, like me and Caitlin are, um, are you know, reblog things on Tumblr and stuff, but we don't really make our own stuff. But I think that even doing that, makes you feel like more connected to the One Direction community because I know like whenever something huge happens like so many people are just like making blog posts and like you know putting like funny like gifts and stuff and I think that's just like another way to like feel um connected to the community like we're all having like the similar emotions and things like that yeah, and I think it's absolutely. like it's really cool and I think that um a lot of times like um Tumblr is like its own community and like it's a really like um strong way to feel a part of a fandom. Mm-hmm. Like when we talked about the Zane on the Zane episode, how when you found when we found out Zane was leaving, we wanted to have Twitter open, we wanted to have Tumblr open open to really feel like you were feel that fandomness and feel that connection to other people, and you're all sort of going through the same things. Yeah, um, which is a good community, and I think Tumblr also is such a easy way to talk about worldwide issues, and I think um, the One Direction fandom gets. Uh, involved in these types of things a lot um, which is awesome I know on Tumblr um, I think it's happened more than more than once where it's a blackout where um, people are posting or reblogging photos um, I think just like black people is that what it is Mm -hmm. Kara yeah Um, so uh, getting people to recognize that a lot of photos on Tumblr are um, very whitewashed and a lot of blogs yep. of that. So re- um, bringing recognition to that um, is really yeah. a really cool thing where it's not hard to do. It's just, um, you know, it's easy to participate and it brings a lot of social awareness. Um, and then Definitely. you also see things um, like I know leading up to 9-11 this year, I saw stuff about Islamophobia and different things that you can do to on 9-11 to help everyone feel safe. And it was like a list of things that you can do, which I just thought was so important that you might not think about, but something like on Tumblr, this comes about. You're not going to see that necessarily in the general news, but on Tumblr, you have a list of things that you can do so that people feel safe on 9-11. Yeah. uh, So, and I think the One Direction fandom does get involved with these types of um, messages on Tumblr. And if they have a ton of uh, followers, then a lot of people are going to see these messages. And that's what makes, like, the fandom really powerful. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, so we think that this is the natural breaking point for to close this episode. Um, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of other things um, next week, including different projects and charities that the fandom has done, along with friendship in the fandom, um, and pretty much everyone's uh, comments that they've written into us about uh, the fandom episode um, is going to be on next episode. Along yep. with um, feedback from, I think, two weeks ago. I don't know, the general feedback section. And we're going to talk about like our uh, more about like why we love the fandom and how it's affected us um, all yeah. next week. Um, so if you haven't already, you can still write in and we'll add that um, to the show after hearing what we've talked about um, this show. Definitely write in. Uh, so we're just going to do recommendations for the week and close the show because we're already at about an hour and a half. So my recommendation for this week is to try to watch the Apple Musical Music Festival live, which is happening the day of this release. We're going to tweet more about it. So if you haven't watched it live, you can also watch it in general. Um, I think it's going to be so cool. I think the Apple Musical Music Festival um, videos from the past are all really cool. It's really high quality. So if you didn't get to go to a concert, um, it's a really good way to enjoy the concert. And I know also, like, I'll just... There's a couple of Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran concerts from um, the iTunes festivals in the past where I just rewatch them like when I'm studying because it's like one of those things where you don't need to pay attention too much and you can sort of multitask, um, which is yeah. really nice. And I'm excited for all the gifts that's going to come out of it. Oh my god, yes, such high quality. Mm-hmm. Then what's your recommendation, Kara? My recommendation is to watch the behind the scenes. Um, video that One Direction posted on their YouTube um, channel of the Drag Me Down music video um, that went on at NASA. And I think it's um, a cute video and there makes an appearance, um, what, a, a purple alien makes an appearance, aka my true form. And also we <laughs> learned that um, Louis actually drove the freaking whatever space kind of vehicle thing. Um, yeah. And I just, I'm really questioning NASA's credibility right now because, <laughs> um, yeah, but Based I guess Based on Louis' nothing... past driving experience in yeah. music videos, I wouldn't have trusted yeah. him. Yeah, um, um, clearly it went okay, though. Maybe they wouldn't show us if it, he crashed it, though, because they'd be like, uh, great, like, $80 billion of, like, oh U.S. taxpayer God. money down the drain. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. so bad. I know. I feel like they'd be exiled from ever, like, returning to the U.S. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, go watch it. We'll defi definitely link it in our show notes, which you can always find at talkdirection.tumblr.com. Trying to get that yeah. promo, you know? Yeah, and we're going to um, tweet about where you can watch the iTunes Festival or Apple Fest Music Festival as well. Um, yeah. Because we have to look that up. Um, yeah. But thank you so much for watch listening, not watching, listening to episode 14 of Talk Direction. We hope the Phantom episode so far is living up to all the hype we've created. Um, next week, we're going to get back to the second half of everything, and it's going to continue to be awesome. Um, but you can, in the meantime, follow our Twitter, talk underscore direction. Uh, email us at talkdirection at gmail.com. Visit our website, talkdirection.tumblr.com, or follow us individually on Twitter. I'm Caitlin I.R. Foster, and that's C-A-I-T-L-I-N. And Kara, where can they find you? I'm Kara underscore pond, and Kara is with a C. Yeah, and then you can rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe as well on iTunes. 
Um, and that way you can get the new episode every week as soon as it comes out. And you can also find our episodes on SoundCloud if that is easier for you. Um, I'm Caitlin. And I'm Kara. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time for episode 15. Bye! Bye!